dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Every Advent, Christians are treated to readings from the gospel, which remind them to stay awake. In Luke chapter 21, our Lord says, keep on the alert at all times. Obviously, our Lord is referring here to a spiritual alertness, but it's something that we can also apply in the world of business. To what degree does a leader need to stay awake at all times? And how can his faith help him to do so? And how can his business help him to stay awake in his faith? Hi, I'm so glad to be back with you to explore the relationship between faith and business. And I've said it once and I've said it, I'll say it a million times, but faith helps business and business helps faith. And today I want to talk to you about one area in particular where this is very true. And that's the vigilance of the heart. Here I'm thinking about, for example, Luke chapter 21, where our Lord tells his uh, disciples, be on guard. Keep, keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all the things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Or be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. But keep on the alert at all times, right? So what is this? Why does our Lord insist on us staying awake? It's the same thing like we think about the agony in the garden where he says, could you not keep watch with me? Or in the Our Father where our Lord says that we should pray so as to not enter into temptation. Why this vigilance of heart? What's the value there? Well, obviously for Christianity, the value is because we can be so preoccupied with the needs of this world that we can completely forget the spiritual. And so staying awake, staying alert, means staying on edge to the spiritual and to the importance of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God's divine plan for this world. So staying awake from a spiritual point of view is going to be staying attuned to the realities of faith and keeping your heart focused there. And obviously, that's such of such value for us who are Christians, because we know that this world is passing away. As important as it is, it's not the end goal. And when we're engaged in business and in making profit, for example, and in organizing people, we can become so focused on building the next barn to hoard our treasures that we could you know, actually be guilty of the very thing that our Lord criticizes that person for by having lost the perspective of what we're supposed to be all about, forgetting that we're going to die and that we can't take it with us. Nothing, in other words, is more important than our faith and our families are the second most important even before our business. We work for the family. We live in the family for God. That's the correct order of things. So we need to stay awake. Kind of makes sense. But I wonder if there's not a way where not only does faith help business by purifying it there, but where business can also help faith. And that's because all of us know who are leaders, 
that one of the key things we have to develop in ourselves is our ability to sense where things can go wrong, where things are a threat to us, where things could break along the system. And it amazes me how many people are willing to just act as if this is not the case, kind of willfully ignoring the threats that are around. And it's almost like pride gets a hold of our hearts to the point that we don't want there to be any break. We expect absolute perfection from ourselves. And so we close our eyes to the things that could go wrong or the threats that are in front of us in order to act as if by denying them somehow we'll avoid them. And I think all of us can see the folly in that position. But look at the humility that it takes on the other hand though to accept that maybe, just maybe, our best laid plans will go to waste. And that maybe even our great genius coming up with plans or executing things might be able to be called into question. I mean, the fundamental attitude of humility is so hard to master for people who are in charge of things or who are in power. But I want to tell you something. You won't make it any other way. Humility is not a cherry on top of the cake of business leadership. Humility is the foundation that's going to enable success to be guaranteed in any circumstances because a humble leader is able to constantly be aware that their great plans and their great efforts are vulnerable to attack, to threat, to change, and even to corruption and they'll take the guards against them. It's kind of counterintuitive because you'd almost like, it's like taking guard against yourself, right? You'd like to say, no, I'm on the watch, all will be well. Or I have come up with this plan, all will be well. Or this is my team, all will be well. And I'm like, well, yes, all will be well, provided that you're pre prepared for it to go ill. <laughs> and that to be prepared for it to go ill means you gotta call yourself into question and be able to put the checks and balance into place and the contingency plans into place and the ability in place to read the signs of the times around you so that you can be able to flex and pivot as needed. I mean, all endeavors depend upon our ability as leaders to drive forward no matter what and attain the goal, right? But the art of doing that well is in our ability to be flexible. And at its heart, flexibility is about being able to place a pivot. But my friends, there's no way that you can pivot appropriately if you're not willing to look at weaknesses in the eye. I'll say it this way and I'll say it clearly. No one today is, is safer to be around than the person who knows where they're dangerous. No one today is more wonderfully built than the person who's aware of their flaws. An organization will only be as strong as it's aware of its weaknesses. If we refuse to look at our weaknesses or look and understand and even accept our limitations, we will be blind to the fundamental errors that can jeopardize our ultimate success. And it's the leader's job to not only motivate from the front and not only possess the, key, the vision that's in front of him to inspire his people, 
It's also the leader's role to analyze and to accept with humility the limitations intrinsic in any human endeavor and in any human organization so as to plan against them and find their way forward no matter what. And this is why you're here. Because you want to learn that. You are humble. Otherwise, you'd never be at a workshop like this. You wouldn't be endeavoring to dare great things for Christ at all. You'd be trying to explain to everyone how you already did. But you're here because you want to learn instead. And for that, I applaud you. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor. Illumine the hearts of thy faithful. And kindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so let's begin to really look, dive into what this vigilance looks like, right? So we talked about our Lord's command that his disciples be vigilant in order to keep their secular world in its right location, which is secular only, but not the dominant place of the heart. Our hearts need to belong to heaven and to God, even if our bodies and times so often belongs to things that are below. And I want to go deeper into that. Does your family matter? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a family mission infographic that will help you focus on your family. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. If we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times. Faith helps business. Faith purifies business but business also can help faith and purify faith. Now, obviously not insofar as it's faith, but insofar as we live it out and put it into practice as believers, the realism of the business world can bring us to our knees and not only bring us to our knees, it can also really keep us true to what Christ is asking from us as believers. I think it's an amazing exercise of realism of the a testing of the human person, a stretching uh, of the metal that's contained in any individual to try to start and run their own business or to really assume a leadership role and to feel the weight of the responsibility squarely upon your shoulders. I remember that when George W. Bush passed on the presidency to Barack Obama, he talked about that. And he said, as soon as I leave this office, the whole weight of what you've just assumed is going to press down upon you. And I just wish you all the best. Now, that was a very elegant way to pass on power and to speak of it as this weight in the charge of the duty that's in front of them and incumbent upon them by their office. Well, you've embraced that weight. And the good news is that because you've embraced it, your faith and spirituality will become all the more realistic, deep, and true. Now, one of the things that the world of business can really point out to and remind those of us who are walking in faith of is the fact that things are going to change and they're going to change in ways that are not always good. I think there's a, a kind of contagion in our preaching of the gospel this day, these days that makes believers 
kind of feel like everything should be a bowl of cherries or a walk in the rose garden and that nothing bad is ever going to happen to us if we have Jesus in our hearts. I guess it's a tempting thought and I can understand even where it could come from, right? Because we want to say if you accept God into your life, you've accepted joy, you've accepted happiness, you've accepted peace, etc. And okay, so I, I get that, right? But like we're also rendering a disservice to our followers and people who believe what we tell them because in the end, bad things still happen and they happen often and they happen in unexpected ways. This can really be a challenge to our faith. There are a lot of people who don't want to walk with a crucified king or a God who tells them that to follow him, you have to pick up your cross and follow him. It's just so much easier. But, you know, I want to say at the same time, there's something so beautiful about following a God who carries his cross. Because I don't know about you, but I have crosses in my life. And if I would, I would warrant to believe if we looked out at this crowd, all of you have had broken hearts. All of you have failed in a million different ways. All of you regret things that you've done in the past. All of you are in need of a savior. And for a lot of us, it's not even a savior. We just are really in need of some empathy of a God who understands. Well, Jesus, when we look at him carrying his cross and him upon Calvary and him dying at the hands of bullies in an unjust situation, watching his own mother suffer and causing her heart to be pierced by seven sores of sorrow. Well, gosh, we can kind of look at that and say, I guess he does understand because that's how I feel. Our God is a God of consolation and empathy and a strength at that level. And I think it's, it's, it's really worth embracing. The cross is not a sign of weakness, in other words. It's a sign of eminent strength because Jesus didn't have to say, I abolish evil in order to keep it away from you. He actually could say, I could transform even evil, even sorrow, even suffering into an agency for God. And that, my friends, is a powerful story to tell. So what does this mean practically? Well, practically, it means that I don't have to be afraid of the vicissitudes of life. The world of business will tell me that threats are just around the corner and you've got to constantly be able to look over your back and see them coming. Pride will mask that. Pride will keep us from doing that. We want to deny evil's existence or the possibility of failure. Yeah, but to our own demise. I mean, we're a much better leader when we are saying the hounds are only one step away. And instead of becoming lax and, and having a lull in our leadership that enables the hounds to jump over the wall and to attack us, if we constantly stay alert and stay vigilant, but if we, if we constantly stay humble enough to admit that we are vulnerable of an attack, if we're constantly aware of where our team is weak, well then in a sense, we are the surest to be able to not only avoid attacks that might come, but be able to meet them successfully when they do. And this is just such a profound place where the humility of Christianity can forge an excellent business person and where the reality of the vicissitudes and the real threats of business can actually drive us even deeper in our faith. And it's just that it's very uncomfortable. I think anyone who's in a position of leadership understands the full weight of that authority is not comfortable at all. 
I know so many leaders that say, you know, I wish that I had a job, right? That kind of thing. Or they, I wish that I could have a boss who could take this all away. But when you own the company or when you're at the head level, it all comes down to you and you can't punch out, right? It's enough to make you a saint, <laughs> Here's, you know, because it's going to keep you on your knees. That constant threat of failure, in other words, that constant sense of vulnerability is actually a real strength. Because we can then put God first. And here I just want to really kind of challenge you as business leaders. Because we pay lip service to God, but we oftentimes keep him outside of our businesses. And I can understand we live in a secular world and we have people of multiple viewpoints and everybody deserves to be respected. But I guess I'm not really saying that so much. I, here, I'm, I mean, do you let your business life actually drive you to your knees in front of God? Like the worries and the anxieties and the challenges that you can face of the next hire, of solving turnover issues, of bringing in a new, new innovation, of the politics that can come and people who've got knives out to get you, so to speak, and the intrigues of the boardrooms and all of the different dealings and the, the dishonesty that can be present and the lack of justice in the workplace that can sometimes be there and all the bad reports and the lying of people who come out to get you and they, they put reports into HR that aren't even true about you, etc. Do you allow God to be in that? I mean, if you think about it, when you spend eight to 10 hours a day doing something, it's probably pretty important that that feed your faith. And there's so much to pray for and to pray against <laughs> and to pray through on a daily basis in your world of business if you let Jesus be there with you. Why would you keep him out of your workplace? Why would you keep him away from your desk? He's put you in that desk so you accomplish his work, and we need him. I think attentive attention to circumstances, attention to places where we can actually fail is actually an amazing way for us to grow in holiness, humility, awareness, and in a sense, to keep us awake and alert towards Jesus and his role in our days if we let him. Your workplace, in other words, can lead you to the doors of the church. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So really when it comes down to it, our ability to lead requires a strong sense and ability of drive in each one of us. And drive in its ultimate perfection is going to be really expressed in flexibility, surprise, in suppleness, agility, the ability we have to pivot when it comes down to it. And pivoting, we all know it's most perfect when our mind is able to grasp analogy and rephrase things in their proper light. Uh, and yet, it's based upon our sense of when we need to pivot. That attention to threats, the attention to vulnerabilities, to breakdowns, to weak points. And there I want to go a step further and say, and what's at the root of that? I think at the root of that attention is a very healthy sense of fear. 
And I can't even believe I'm really saying this, right? Because for so many of us entrepreneurs, that's the last thing that we really would define ourselves as needing, right? Does the entrepreneur need fear? And you'd say, no, the entrepreneur needs courage. Or does the business leader need fear? No, the business leader needs confidence, right? That's kind of the thing. And if fear is something that we kind of tend to look upon as not being useful because it can freeze you up it can make you stop. It can paralyze your operations. It can keep you from taking necessary risks and so forth. But is there a positive aspect to fear as well? And the answer is yes. From a psychological or a philosophical point of view, fear is the reaction that we have to a danger that is near. So if you don't feel fear, you're going to be oblivious to danger. And obviously that can come from pride and pride cometh before the fall. <laughs> you can't, it's a, it's a great reminder, right? That if I keep fear close to me, pride will stay far away from me because I'm aware that I could fall. And therefore I stay humble with respect to the realities around me that in fact can actually threaten me. And this fear is something that is even obviously scriptural, true from a spiritual point of view, the fear of God, but also the fear of sin, the fear of the enemy that can attack. It keeps you on edge. Now, obviously this can go too far and you know, people on your staff whose sense of fear can actually not be helpful, but to have someone on your team who is always aware of where things can break is also very, very useful. And this can come both from the outside and from the inside changes of markets, a rise of competition, but also from the inside, uh, think of embezzlement issues, dishonesty amongst the, amongst the teammates, jealousy and rivalry, all the things that can corrupt from the inside. If we're humble enough to accept it, then our sense of fear can actually drive us to taking the measures necessary to adjust appropriately for our vulnerabilities and for the market's conditions or the situation around us, because in the end, we're really afraid that we could actually lose. It's healthy to have a sense of threat. It can be obviously taken too far, but it's also extremely helpful. On the other hand, we need to constantly practice a healthy vigilance. Not only in other words, is it a question of fear? It's also a choice of what we choose to do with that fear. Okay. So knowing that we could fail is helpful to a degree, but sometimes you also can, you need to put that a little bit aside and say, I can't just constantly be focused on what could keep me up late at night. I need to also turn that channel, that energy into something positive. And I call that vigilance. Vigilance is a practice whereby I scan the fears that are out there and the threats that are out there, not from the point of view of paralyzation, but from the point of view of preparedness. I have a healthy sense of where it could, what could go wrong and I have a healthy sense of the, the precarity of my situation. But by being vigilant, I prepare for them ahead of time. And our Lord tells us to do this, for example, about his second coming saying, keep watch and awake. Don't let your hearts grow asleep. 
Be vigilant, in other words, by preparing for not only the eventuality of an evil that can come, but for the victory you can draw from it. There are many practical things we can do in our businesses to do this, right? Like, for example, our counsel, the people that we ask advice from, the employees that we choose to rely upon, but also especially to listen. I remember that the, them saying that John Paul II as Pope, one of his greatest qualities was that he would listen. And in meetings or councils, and he had plenty of them to go through, he would spend the time going around the table to hear all the different viewpoints. It's a real practical exercise. Am I willing to listen to my opposition? Willing to listen to those whom I don't necessarily get along with to make sure I take their opinion to count? That would be a vigilant person. Knowing that there's a threat, I exercise listening. I exercise diversity amongst my opinions. And I'm constantly being willing to repair the damages, whatever might come my way. I'm vigilant. Like a parent over a sick child, I'm vigilant. I'm keeping watch. I'm not falling asleep. Just imagine, you know, amongst your employees, how much you value this particular quality. When you find somebody who's on the watch, aware of what could break and taking measures ahead of it. Now think about how our Lord must feel if he found us doing the same. Not just, of course, in our businesses, which is practical and good. What if he found us doing that in our families or in our world? What if in our own hearts, knowing that where we could fall, we replaced fear with vigilance, meaning humbly looking to prevent the next fall and preparing to repair it when it could eventually happen? Or in our families, to be vigilant, to not let the enemy come in and wreak havoc in the culture, in the minds, in the hearts of my children and of my spouse. Vigilance means, in other words, being proactive about the difficulty or the vulnerability that you know is there. If I know there's a crack in my wall and I know that evil is trying to come through that crack, a vigilant person repairs the breach. And boy, do we ever need this kind of leadership in our world today. We have so many people who decry evil and decry the bad things that are out there. And they're not vigilant enough to provide a solution that's authentic and real. And Christ is asking us to play that role, to be vigilant stewards and to by their, thereby exercise, yes, legitimate fear of threats, but even more provide for the church and for the culture the attention to the circumstances that will allow us to pivot appropriately and redefine success accurately in any circumstance. This is the leadership our family needs. This is the leadership that Christ's disciples can give. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.